we're advancing in the prophetic. And um, from, the moment whist- from the moment the whistle blew, uh, I felt the word shifted us to a new level. Uh, to those who can remember, you'll get your MP3s this week. Um, so you can start getting into that. Heaven was lifting us and shifting us to a new position, which should happen when you're in the presence of God and in, in his word. Amen? Hopefully there was enough nuts and bolts for you to uh, take, to build your life, to, to understand. Everything, you get, get, everything that gets downloaded, some things have to be processed before you can start building them. That takes time. But if you never take time to process it, don't expect the nuts and bolts just to get on your wheels. Amen? So it's important that you take time. Whenever you, whenever you listen to anything that God speaks, it takes time to process. Because you have to, your mind, your heart has to move into that dimension so that God can begin to give you understanding. Very often, our brain throws out what we hear because it doesn't make sense in the natural. And your brain becomes your barrier to receiving in your heart. But what we've got to try and do as Christians is activate the heart before the brain. The heart is called the new spirit man that Jesus gives us when we become born again. He gives you a new ability to bypass the brain. We're not saying throw get rid of the brain, but we're saying that this must come into a line with this, not the other way around. The Bible teaches us not to conform to the world's image and the world's pattern because the world's image and the world's pattern is destructive. But be renewed by the renewing of your mind. So when it says your mind, the only thing that will renew your mind is your spirit. Your mind's full of prejudice. Your mind's full of doubt. Your mind's full of fear. Your mind's full of limitations. You have educational limitations. You might be smart, but you still have limitations. Depends which field to put you in. Yes? You might be smart, but they never put you in a scientific field and you're not scientific. Guess what? You're caught out. So God wants you to, to think his thoughts by his spirit, not your own thoughts and your own opinions. Your own opinions will always get you in trouble. Do you know I know that? I've tried it. <laughs> so I'm going to start this morning by the first word you received in SLP and the last word you received. Okay? We spoke on the first night. We said, whilst the, look, whilst the word is looking for some men, some men are only looking for a word. Let me say that again. I've, re, I've retweaked it. Whilst the word looks for some men, some men are only looking for a word. God's word is looking for, for some men. How many of you know that God's speaking... God's always speaking, but God's not speaking to everyone. God's continually speaking. Right now, God is speaking, but God is not speaking to everyone. Why? Because not everyone's seeking him. Not everybody wants to know him. You sang this morning, I want to know you. So God will speak to those who want to know him. Those who don't want to know him, God will wait until the opportunity till the opportune time, so he can intervene in the affairs of men. God will wait until you're at that place where God can intervene, overshadow you, and get access into your heart. But God just doesn't come in there, and God knows the exact time when to intervene in your life. 
So he lets you go on and do what you want and thinks, gives you, give you the impression that you're in control. And you are in control to a degree because he's given you the ability to be in control. It's, through, through being in control, we take responsibility. Yes? But there is a time when you being in control is not living by faith. There's a, time, there's a time when faith, you have to let go so God can come in. Because when you do it your way, you end up in trouble eventually. So God knows the exact time and the exact place and the exact circumstances to intervene in your life. He does. That's why he turns up in the most strangest of places. He does. He turns up in the most strangest places and sometimes at the most inappropriate times. Because that's what a sovereign God can do. God speaks to you when you don't really want to hear him. When you're not looking for him, God speaks. And when he speaks, you know it's God. He has this way of getting your attention. So you might not be tuned into God, but when God speaks, guess what? He leaves you knowing what he's just said. So, God, so whilst, the words look, whilst the word is looking for some men... Some men are only looking for a word. The tragedies of modern Christianity, and when we say modern Christianity, you could say charismania, is many people don't look to God and his word. They want a prophecy. This is a tragedy. These, those people who go looking for a prophetic word are no different than someone who will go to a tarot card reader or seance or whatever. You must say, Tony, that's extreme. But guess what? When you just go looking for someone to tell you what your future's going to be, but you don't want to know the person who speaks about your future, something is wrong. Some, many people want to know the future. Tell me my future. God says, or said, the Bible says, I have plans to give you hope and a future. Tell me, ah, when you call on me, then you'll be found by me. I've got what you need, but you need to call on me. But people think, nah, 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 nah. I'll just go to a man and I'll bypass the process. I'll go to a man who can lay hands on me and tell me what I need to know. Cut out all the effort. Because I can't hear God really anyway. Because me and God are not on great, great paths. Me and God fell out a long time ago. But please tell me, I just want to know if he's still angry with me. Don't tell me that doesn't happen. And if what you tell me is nice, I might come back to church. Guess what? We don't want you to come back to church. Because going to church is what got you out of church in the first place. What we want you to do is come back to God. And have a relationship with God. You going to church doesn't give you a relationship with God. You going to God gives you a relationship with God. Going to church gives you strength and gives you understanding and gives you knowledge and gives you wisdom. Yes? But we all know how to fake it. Because we do it often enough. We all know how to speak nicely to one another. We all know how to get through a service. That's easy. 
You want to look spiritual? Just shove your hand up in the air. Close your eyes. Do that. We all know the behavior. Only God knows our hearts. Yeah? So they want to be inspired, but they don't want to know God. They don't want to be refired, ignited, set ablaze. So we've got to be very careful that we can't, we don't treat the word, we don't treat church as a place where we can get things from and bypass the one who gives them. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 17, there was a man called Simon the Sorcerer. And Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is being poured out and it's coming through the hands of men. You think, how does the Holy Spirit come through the hands of men? That's a different subject for a different day. But as he laid hands on these on these people, the Holy Spirit began to be poured out. And Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, and he offered them money. Whoa. And said, give me also this ability, so that everyone whom I may lay my hands on may receive the Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or no share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. I want the power. I want the glory. I want the fame. I want the trip. Why? Because I, if you can just give me this, if I can buy it, I don't have to go to the person who supplies it. I can get it a cheap way. That's why your kids say to you, Mom, will you pray for me? Mom, pray for me. Dad, pray for me. Well, why don't you pray? No, 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 you know him better than me. What they're saying is, you do the labor, you keep me safe, I can carry on living the way I want. That's what kids do. When I'm in trouble, mum, don't forget, I know you know God better than I do. Pray for him, pray for me. And mum does it. Mum does it. Mum needs some wisdom. How to pray. I say to my kids, when I pray, you won't like it. When I pray, Laura, when I pray, Ben, you won't like what I'm praying. I'm not praying, God, to get you out the hole. I'm praying, God, keeps you in the hole. Because in the hole, you cry a different cry. If my prayers get you out of trouble only to keep you on the same path, going in the same direction, what good was that? But because you're connected to your children, oh Lord, don't, don't, don't let them, don't, 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 don't. Whoa, 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 Kimo Savvy. God doesn't work like that with you. So why should you work like that with your kids? Lord, you're sovereign. I know, what it, I know how you work, how you operate. Lord, do what you need to do in Laura's life, in Ben's life. Lord, if, it ha- if they have to suck some dirt for a couple of years, Lord, whatever has to happen, Lord, you, I have to trust you, Lord. I have to trust you, Lord. I'm believing, oh God, that, you'll, that, that they'll yield themselves to you, that they'll give their hearts to you. But Lord, I have to trust you. You know what you're doing. You know what it takes to bend, to break, to discipline a Ben or a Laura. That's wisdom. You can't pray what your son or your daughter wants you to pray for because that might not always be according to the word. So we need wisdom in knowing how to pray over our children. 
And, say, and the kids say, did you pray? Oh, yeah, I prayed. They're never going to ask you what you pray because that's another spiritual conversation they don't want. They just want you to pray for them. Say, I'm praying for you, son. I'm praying for you. They don't know what you're praying, but you know what you're praying. And you know what? It's a mother and a father who can intercede for the kids that get them through. Never stop losing hope. Even though when the kids go wild, and what, the more you pray, it'll, they'll go wild. And you think, is my prayers working? Yes. But he's also an enemy. Because he knows that if they come through, he's finished. There'll come a point in your kid's life when you keep praying, they'll come through. Listen, I have to believe for my two kids. One's on the other side. He's, make it. he's making it. Right? But the other two are not there yet. And I know you, I'm speaking into situations here. All of us have kids who have walked away. So we just keep on believing and keep, you keep living the life, keep on being, even when they don't like it, keep being the standard. Because at one point they're going to come around and say, thanks mum, thanks dad for being the standard. Had you not kept your, your path, I had nothing to come back to. They'll push you, they'll challenge your values, stay fixed. It's not easy. It's not easy. So Simon the sorcerer didn't want to lose his old nature. He wanted to keep his old nature, but by the Holy Spirit, literally by the Holy Spirit, and carry on doing what he did. Why? Because the verses tell us in Acts 8 verse 9, he says, Now for some time, a man named Simon, who practiced sorcery in the city, and amazed all the people of Samaria, he boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. So he had notoriety. The people looked to him, and he liked that. He didn't want to lose that position. All he wanted to do was now use the Holy Spirit, stay in his position... He did, not know, he did not want to know the word. He wanted to use the gifts. And he, but he did not want to know Christ and he did not want to know the relationship. He didn't want to have the relationship, I should say. This is very, da- excuse me, this is very dangerous. This is charismania. Christians just want to use the gifts but don't want to know the giver. We cannot do that. It's very, very dangerous. That's why you can't just let anybody lay hands on you. Because if they don't know Christ, and they'll always tell you they do, but you've just got to watch the life. And sometimes we don't get an opportunity to see the lives because <clears throat> they appear like stars. Yeah? And then when they touch you, they, cloud up, they, they kind of just fail back, uh, fall back into insignificance, but the damage is done by then. It's so important that we don't just fall for this stuff. So whilst the word looks for some men, Some men are looking for the word. Simon was one of those who didn't look for the word. He looked for the gifts. He looked for the power. It's amazing you can listen to a speaker preach all week in a conference and then say, I just need a word from the Lord. Excuse me, what what have you just received all week? I, I know, but I need a word. Yeah, but you've just had a word. I've just been preaching all week, teaching you. You've got a word. Yeah, but I need a word. What kind of word do you think you need that you haven't already had? You see, what they've done, they've just ignored all this. And they want you 
to go back and just give them a private word, personal word. Then they walk out and say, I went to a conference, I got a word. But what did you receive? What did you listen to? Nothing, I just got a word. So I can carry on doing what I was doing. Because now that word, personal word, made me feel nice. The word is meant to help you mature and grow up. You cannot receive the promises from the word without knowing the word. The word himself. See, many of you in the, in the dream center here value me and value my words. You value me because you, because you see the life of Christ in me. You see the patterns of Christ in me. You don't value me because of what I can do for you. You value me for what I've put into you. And that's how it should be. You are people who love the word. And because you love the word and you've got a relationship with the word, you receive what's inside my heart or in Paul's or Philip's or anybody else who uh, comes. Philip's, he got a full name then. Philip's, that's amazing, that. Forgive me, Lord. That's the first time I've ever called him Phillips. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. Philip's word and Paul's word or anybody else who speaks. Why? Because we are pursuers of the word. We're not just people who want a prophecy. The, the word, if you do that, if you don't like the word, it has no root. It has no root in you, and therefore you cannot grow and mature with what you receive. Does this make sense? So John chapter 1, verse 1, let me give you this understanding. He says, in the beginning was the word. So who's he speaking about? What is he speaking about? Who is he referring to? Well, the answer's in this verse. In the beginning was the word. Okay, just stop there. That sounds a little bit vague and ambiguous. And the word was with God. No, it's alongside somebody now. So who is it? So it was, and now is with and alongside, and the word was God. So we see that the word is not a thing, it's a person. It's a real living person. So when we refer to the word, there are many contexts for the word. But one of them is, it's a real person. So behind my words is a person. Just like when you say things, there's a person behind your words. Your words come from flesh and blood. They come from a person. You can't say, my word said that, not me. You release them. So you and your words are accountable. Yes? You and your words are one. You can't say, she said that, but it came through your mouth. She didn't say it, you heard her say it and then repeated it. Now you're the one who said it. And because you said it, now you're accountable for it. So we see, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Yes, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. Now I know that's a disputed, that's a disputed thing amongst evolutionists. But guess what? He said it. My word became, my word was there before people. Yeah. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. No use being a person if you can't give life. And that life was the light of men. So, and then in John 5, 50, uh, 5 26, I'll read it to you. For as the Father has 
life in himself, he has granted the son to have life in himself. So the father has life, the son has life, the Holy Ghost has life. The whole trinity, we will put in this context as the word, has life. So it supplies. It's, it's, so when you feel the Holy Spirit or get touched by the Holy Spirit, you're not just getting touched by a power, you're getting touched by a person. Yes? When you give your life to the word, you're not just giving your life to the, to the air, you're giving your life to a person who is unseen, but is consciously seen. We know he's here because we feel his presence. But to the person who doesn't know Jesus and who's never met the word, it's just an empty room. Yes? That's why whenever you're watching worship on the TV from at home, it never makes sense. Because you're not in that context. You're not in that environment. And you just see a load of people with their hands up in the air and you're thinking, what? It looks strange. But when you're in that room, you all have a sense that there is a person and a power present in this room that makes you then want to become alive and open your heart more and more and you're pursuing more and more so though he's not physically seen with your spiritual heart and your mind you know he's there so which causes you to pursue him more and more true so we see that this word is a real person is interactive interactive okay is interactive it's not just an alphabet on black and white paper. So when we say the word, it's not just this. This is a book. That's just a book. Is it not? The best-selling book. But it's just a book. It's just black and white print. How many times have you read that, never understood it? When you know the person behind it, ah, all of a sudden, you ask, Lord, give me understanding. Lord, because when I'm reading this, I hear your voice. Now I'm seeing that there's a real person behind this black and white printed book, because it's just a book. Now, the religious man, if I throw this book on the floor, the religious people go, oh, 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 oh. When I used to work with the Iranians, oh, my Lord. They would go up in arms if you threw a Bible on the floor. So I did it even more. Why? To show them that's religion. You would rather get up in arms over a book rather than knowing the person behind the book. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. This Bible eventually will be thrown into the bin. True? And Phil will get another one. Philip will get another one. He'll buy another one, and he'll have a nice new sexy one like this one. Because my old one is all messed up. But it's just a book. I meet the person when I'm not even reading the book. I can still take the, the person with me. And the, the person's in my heart. Why? Because I'm a person who's seeking the word. Now the word can come, can, come, can come looking for me and find me. Why? Because his word's in my heart. And my heart, my heart is in his heart. We see that this word is, has divine origin. It was there before anything else. It was there. It has, you know, the Father was always there. We see that the word is creative. In other words, it creates life. It's creating life. Hopefully this morning it creates life in you. So John 1.14 says, The word became flesh. 
Now, here's the issue. Here's the real issue. The Word became flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Here's the issue. If this person called the Word cannot become flesh in your life, in other words, cannot become part of your life, you have no part in God. The issue with modern Christianity is this. Will the believer allow the word to become flesh and dwell amongst them? That is the issue. I didn't say hear the word. I said let the word dwell. In other words, let it live in your life. Let it take control of your life. Let it dictate the pace of your life. Will you, are you willing enough to let go of your insecurities, your thoughts, your plans, and live by faith and let this word guide your life? That's what it means to have the word dwell amongst you. It has to live inside you, the flesh and blood. Jesus became a man and lived amongst them. Now he sent his Holy Spirit inside of you as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. So the Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost is now living inside of you. Will you allow the word to dwell in your life? Will you allow the word to speak to you from inside? Will you allow the word to lead you into doing God's will? Or will you just keep shutting the word, pushing it to one side and saying, I'm not surrendering my life, I'm in control. Well, fine. It's your will to do that. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, it says, I know your deeds. He's talking to the churches. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut, and I know that you have little strength. So that's good that God's observing that these people had little strength, yet you've kept my word, and you've not denied my name. So you can sense there's been a bit of a battle going on here in their lives, and he's talking to them. He says, I know your deeds. I've observed you. I've watched you. I stood back. And it didn't intervene, but now I'm intervening and I'm telling you what I know and what I've observed. Now, all these other churches did not get a good report, but these guys did. I have placed before you an open door. No, we all want to hear that. Oh, God, God's got a plan for me, an open door. But here's what he says. No one can shut, and I know you have little strength. Yes, Lord, I'm on my last legs. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name. See, to deny Jesus' name is to, divide, to, is to deny the word himself. So he says, you've kept my word. In other words, the words that I've spoken to you, you've kept them. But then you've not denied my name because when you deny my name, you deny me. If I denied my children, right, I'm cutting off my own flesh. My own blood, true? So what father would deny his own children? But how many children deny their own parents? Some parents deny their own children, depending on what kind of context they've, they've been raised in. But the point is, is this group of people did not deny the word, they kept the word, they lived by the word, but they did not deny the name. When you deny the name, that's the person himself. Yeah? 
So, <clears throat> unless the word can come become flesh and dwell amongst us, we have no part in him. The word must be able to find you at any time. The word must be able to find you at any time, in any situation. This is, if you're going to be a pursuer of the word, the word must be able to find you at any time. You must be able to discern the word if a woman on the bus tells you. If a man passes in the street and says something, you must know when they're speaking from the spirit of God. And listen, God can use non-saved people to speak his word. But you've got to have ears to hear. If you are a pursuer of the word, the word will come pursuing you. If you are a pursuer of the word, the word will pursue you. But some men only look for a prophecy, a word. They don't look for the person. That's why, well, the word is looking for some men. Some men are only looking for a word, not the word. And when they're only looking for a word, guess what has to happen? Your Bible tells you when the famine comes, men will go here, there, everywhere, looking for something that they can't get. Why? Because they're not pursuers of the word. They just want a word. And when they get it, their itching ears, like what they're hearing, they are not tuned to the person. They're tuned to what's coming out of someone's mouth. In these days, you must pursue the word, capital T. Not a word. When you pursue the word, a word will always come. In 1 Kings 17, we read this the other week, the widow of Zerophath. In 1 Kings 17, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 8, when the word of the Lord came to him, so it's coming to Elijah. So the word came to Elijah. It found Elijah. It found Elijah. God sent his word to his man. It's like, I see Veronica now in my eye line, and the word comes to Veronica, save for David. But the word came to her. She wasn't looking for it. It came to her. As it came to her, she then obedient. She captures the word, and then she then takes it to the next level. Amen? It can come to her because she's pursuing the word. This morning, we were pursuing the word in worship. We pursued him. Yes? We pursued, we pursued him in worship. Those who worship me in spirit and in truth. What's the truth? The word. We used the word. We sold the word to the word. And the word showed up. That's what happens when you pursue the word. It then pursues you. So, go at once to Zerapath of Sardin. And stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So she's on her own, but she's already been prompted. So he went to Zerapath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to eat it, he called her and he said, and bring me please a piece of bread. Now this woman's situation is dire. She's poor, there's no food around, there's in starvation, there's famine, and she's just got enough oil, enough, enough to go and make herself and her son a cake, cake meaning bread. 
And there was no patisserie around in those days. No Greg's. Nothing around. No Martins or anything like that. She's got enough just to keep them alive. And not only that, to keep her and her son alive. And then the prophet of all adds insult and says, can you, can you make me a cake? I mean, is that, does that sound like it's an insult? Does that, it's like, she, can you imagine looking and thinking, are you winding me up? Now you want to stay for tea? Self-invited. And you know that me and my son is about to die. So, first of all, we see is that the widow's house was under attack. The widow's house was under attack. And in her house, her family was there. You see, when you pursue the word, the Lord, the Lord will bring his word to your house and over to your family. If you pursue the word, God will ensure that he sends the word to your house if you're pursuing the word. He covers the house. He covered, God's word covered the house of Israel. When the prophet spoke, it was for the whole house. And in the house, there was tribes and clans. So there was thousands of families, but one house. Israel was a house. So when God's word comes, it comes to us as a corporate house and into an individual context, which is a house. Because we pursue the word. You getting this? Every house needs a word from time to time. But every house should pursue the word all the time. Every house needs a word from time to time. But every house must pursue God all the time. Does that make sense? This was a classic case where Elijah had been found by the word. The word found Elijah. Go to Zarephath. Why? Because there's a widow there who needs your help. There's a house, there's a situation, there's a circumstance who needs the word. Go. And so the prophet goes and gives her the instruction of the Lord. So when the word comes to you, will you go? Will you go? That's the issue. You cannot pursue the word and the word pursue you and not go with the word. God is wanting us to go. There's many widows, there's many situations, there's many houses out beyond this door that need our word. There are many people struggling with a pot of oil. There are many families who are sick. Financially, physically, emotionally. And one word in that situation can fix it. But you've got to go. And in verse 9 of that scripture... The widow's heart had already been configured to hear and receive. You don't know what God's been doing with people in their homes. So when you get there, God's already got there before you. Not everyone's going to be an obstacle. Not everyone. Yeah? She had already been configured in her heart by the Holy Spirit to hear and receive. That's why when he said, make me a cake, she didn't freak out. She went the extra mile. You know, my son is just in a, in, in a missions project right now. And he'd been sent to this church. And he said, Dad, this leader is doing my head in. Right? He's doing my head in. And he's been doing all things and saying all kinds of things, which even I think is strange. But that's Australia for you. 
That's those Aussies. They're, they're a bit flat today. They lost the World Cup last night. It's okay. We'll minister to them later. But the issue is this. And he said, Dad, the pastor gave me his car. He says, and I determined, if I don't hit him, I'll bless him. That's what Scott said. Dad, if I don't hit him, I'll bless him. I said, which one did you choose? He said, to bless him. I said, good, son. That's fruit. That, that's why we sent you here to bear fruit. He said, Dad, he gave me half a tank of fuel. I give him his car back with a full tank of fuel. I said, that's brilliant, son. You're now beginning to produce fruit. I said, so does this work when you take money from me? He said, Dad, one stage at a time. So he says, Dad, I said to him, son, you know the parable, you know the story, don't you? If someone smacks you on one cheek, you turn. I said, if someone says, go half a mile, go another mile. I said, this is the fruit that the guys in Southern Lights want you to produce. So he's beginning to realize, as he's pursuing the word, the word's pursuing him, and it's doing a work in him. So when he finds himself in a house that's a little bit restrictive, he still knows how to rise above the limitation of his own flesh and blood. The guy says to him, I want you to speak on the love of mammon for 45 minutes. Scott has never done that in his life. He said, Dad, I had to dig deep. Brilliant, son. This is what we need. It's what we need here. If I asked some of you to stand up and speak for 45 minutes on the love of mammon, could you get up for five minutes? None of us know what that 45 minutes sounded like, but he did it. Maybe he's becoming the mouth on roller skates. No, not two of them. You know, every house needs spiritually feeding. Physically and spiritually, it needs feeding. Every house needs physically, spiritually feeding. Yes, your house. And God saw your lack. God sees your lack. God sees your lack of strength. God sees your lack of supply. And God will supply. From his own storehouse. Right, and by the way, you are his storehouse. The people are his storehouse. Because in you, there are resources. Financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally. All those things are resources that if you're part of the body of Christ and you are a resource, and you are pursuer of the word, then you, your life is part of God's storehouse. Don't see the storehouse just being in heaven. It's on earth. It's on earth. Go to the widow. That's part of the, re- that's the storehouse. Elijah came out of God's storehouse. Yes? So when God tells you to do something, go somewhere. Stop looking at this storehouse. It's way, way far beyond Jordan. It's here. It's on the earth. Amen? And God sees when the, his servants are on, on the ground need strength, and he sends the Elijahs. He sends the Elijahs. You often have... Lack of, have you noticed in your house, you often lack strategy for developing your family, for pushing them into a new realm, for bettering your family lifestyle, for bettering your future. You often lack strategies. But when you pursue the word, the word will give you the strategy you need to bring your family into prosperity. How many of you believe that? Not only that, God will give you the wisdom, it's just that God will give you the ability through his knowledge understanding, and he'll give you wisdom. All that needs to be in your house. But that will only come as you pursue the word. How many, every house gets threatened from time to time. 
Nothing worse when little Johnny or little Sally goes to school and, and, and they're being bullied. And it's got all your attention as a parent. I'm going to go in that school. I'm going to give that teacher. I want to, run, I want to route that little route out. I want to find out who's, who's, who's attacking my Johnny and who's attacking my Sally. True? And you go into the school and it's not quite as you thought it was. But you went in there, guns blazing, ready to kill. And the teacher said, yeah, well, but your little Susie spat in somebody's eye. Did you? No, not my Susie. She's a princess. Look at her. Teacher says she's a little (laughs) angel. Through God's word, promises and commands are given. Through God's word, promises and commands are given. What? To bring progression and continuance in your house. So, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7 says this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Are you the church this morning? Or are you just an individual sat on a chair? If you're part of the church this morning, he's talking to you and he's talking to me. He who has an ear, so do you have an ear? Yeah, I think I've got two here. Let him hear and heed. And heed. So not only hear, but understand what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, is what it says. This is the amplified version I'm reading from. The word through believing that Jesus is the Son of God. So him who overcomes through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life. So your house will always have the resources it needs to eat, to drink, to be safe, to be saved and to be in prosperity. If you pursue the word, if you understand what the word is saying and heed what the word is saying and doing, then God will give you us as a house the right to eat at the table and drink. What a promise. That comes to the pursuer. That comes to him who has an ear because he who can hear now has choices and options that a guy who doesn't hear, doesn't have. Hello? You have choices and options. We had a choice and an option of how to pray for Harry. We could have all crossed our fingers, played with our rosemary beads and lit a candle. Could we not? Or, because of what God has revealed to us, the technologies that God's revealed to us, we knew how to step in and begin to pursue the word And then release the word over his life. Did we not? And the result is, he's smacking him. (laughs) Someone's trying to get the wind up. So when God gives you technologies like this, it's because you pursue him. And it's in his heart to release because he sees that you are a pursuer. And from a pursuer, you become a doer. This is the goodness of God. So it's not what was said last week. It's what you heard and captured. What did you hear last week? What did your spirit capture? You heard a lot. Session after session. Slide after slide. Worship after worship. There was a heck of a lot said. But what did you hear? 
and what did you capture? Because what you heard and what you captured will determine the next step you take. Now, we all heard the same, but we didn't all heed and capture the same. You know why? Turn to Psalm 62, verse 11. And I want you to meditate on this this week, if you will. Give it some time. It's going to help you. And it says in Psalm 62, verse 11, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard. So when the word was coming out of my mouth or Pastor Peter's mouth or uh, Philip's mouth, Philip again, and Pastor Carolyn, when she got up and spoke for a brief time, what did you hear and what did you capture? I was listening to a man speak, and I can't even remember what he was speaking on, but out of his mouth came the dream center. He wasn't even speaking about naming your church. I can't even remember what he spoke on, but I heard the words out of his mouth. One thing he was saying, two things I heard. It was clear, it came right across the room like someone was throwing a javelin. It hit my chest, and boom, straight away I heard, change the name of the church to the dream center. When the word comes that clear, why did that word came come to me? Because God knows I'm a pursuer of his word. The word came. That man who spoke doesn't even know what I caught. It doesn't need to know. He's a servant. I don't know what you're capturing this morning through what I'm speaking. Your job is not to remember everything I've said. Your job is to understand what's being said and capture your portion. That's it, your portion. If you try and listen with your mechanical ears, that's only, that's depending on your, your age and your concentration, it will vary in this room. But you have to learn to, to listen with your spiritual ears. One thing you have said, but two things you've spoken. See, wherever you are in God's presence, when a man speaks, you'll always hear something different. Now, sometimes that hearing something different can get you in trouble because he didn't say that. And your opinions hear what you want to hear. But when your spiritual ears, you hear it, you write it down, and then God will confirm it through his word in the days coming. Yeah? It's not a license for you to get up and just do what you want. But it's a license that God's putting that on your desktop. Yeah? He's putting it on your heart. So when you hear the word again, you go, ah, God's already spoke to me about that. Now I've got, that's in the mouth of two witnesses. And then the more you keep hearing it, you go, ah, right, and now I know this is God, what God is saying to me. The word is pursuing me. Everywhere I go, the word keeps pursuing me. Why? The word comes looking for you because you are looking for the word. You're not looking for a word, you're looking for the word. And when you look for the word, there'll be many a words given. Does this make sense? I'm not confusing you, am I? One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. That you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you'll reward each person according to what he has done. Now, another translation says this. God has spoken once. Twice I've heard this. See, that gives another context. That power belongs to God. Also, you, O Lord, belong, 
mercy and loving kindness, for you render, so you render to every man according to his work. It's not only what you receive for your life, but did you hear what the Spirit of God was saying to us as a corporate house last week? So, two things God spoke. So, one thing God spoke, you heard it twice. Maybe that was a confirmation for you what you heard last week. So, you've heard it twice. So, the more you keep hearing the confirmation, the more in trouble you are. Do you realize that? Because God's saying, when can we get to obedience? When can we get to the point of doing it? Right, so the more you keep hearing the word and you don't do it, you're in trouble. <laughs> right, but if you're hearing it for the first time, and even on the second time, you may not understand. God's merciful, that's why the word keeps coming again. But when you fully understand but don't do anything with it, that's when you're in trouble. You're gonna, your life's going to head into trouble. So many, many things were spoken last week, and you heard a lot of things, and hopefully you captured things for yourself, for your own house, for, your, for, your, for yourself, an individual, because you, pay, you said, I paid the money, I need something for me. But guess what? You came as an individual, but we assembled as a house. You came as an individual, but we assembled as one house. So when God spoke, God spoke to you and to us. But what did you hear about us? You're not even quite sure what you captured for yourself. So you must, listen, if you don't put down what God spoke to you last week, what you captured, guess what? School of the Prophets has no influence on your life. You just paid the money, you enjoyed what was said, but you don't know what was said. I felt good, but you don't know where it's leading you. You must understand, you must learn to understand Two, on two levels, you must come in for you. You'll always come in. You're an individual. So God will always speak to you as an individual. God will always speak to you as an individual about your corporate, sorry, about your individual circumstance, your context, your family, your house. There's nothing wrong with that. But when, at times when we gather, we gather as one house, one tribe. And God speaks to us. And out of that, we all get blessed. But if we don't hear what God's speaking to us, and all you ever do is tune your ears to, so you can listen and speak to you, there's going to be an imbalance. Whenever God speaks to me, I, always, I very rarely pray about myself. I'm always praying about you, the house. And out of that, God speaks to me individually, and he speaks to me for us. Yes? You must learn to carry the spirit of the house, and out, as you carry the spirit of the house, you'll be surprised how much of your individualism gets uh, sorted out. You really will. God has a, a wonderful way of doing that. And I found that in my own life to be true. So when God speaks, he speaks so that the hearts and the ears of his servants are enlightened. And, and in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. What hope? Well, there's an individual hope and there's a corporate hope. To the riches and the glories, glorious inheritance of the saints. So I want to read to you now to give us hope so you have an understanding of the riches of the glorious saints. I want you to understand, listen again, the word that was prophesied over me. Hear it for a second time. So two times you're hearing it now. When it's the first time it's hearing, I understand none of us are capturing it. It's just coming. Now you're hearing it and there's no, the context is different. In other words, last week's meeting was last week's meeting. This is this week's. So I'm going to read it. And I want you to hear with your spirit 
what God is saying to us as a church. Because what God is saying to me is speaking to us as a corporate house. Are you ready for this? Are you sure? Because I did a transcript to this. Why? Because I'm pursuer of the word. I've known Pastor Pete now for six, well, I've known him for many years, but known him in the last five or six years. He's never prophesied over me. So now, when he prophesied, my ears went up, went, okay, this is the first time. Let's hear what God is saying through the man. Because only five minutes he, he prophesied, well, the day before he prophesied over Phil, and already Phil's beginning to touch the reality of what he said instantly. So, I trust the word that comes out of my friend's mouth because he's got fruit on the vine. So here we go. Tony, you're going to have to give up things. You're going to have to specialize in your grace. So this change coming for me. Change coming for you. If I've got to give up things to specialize in my grace, that means you have to step into those areas that I'm not stepping into. True? Stay in your grace. When you don't have the grace, you are going to have to look to others. My eyes are scanning to and fro to see whose hearts are dedicated, looking to the Lord. So that's, this is to me, but it's to us. Okay? Lord, give him the eyes to see the grace in others. That's when Pastor Pete started to pray. Add to your team here and there. As people come in with their one talent, let it become two talents, three talents, and five talent gifting. This is the time of letting go, bringing in the administrators. Yeah? So we can get with the leadership vision, studying the word, and praying and seeking after God. Prayer comes in again. Prayer, Father God, we thank you for the ability to raise disciples. Right? Now back to the prophecy. Though you can write books and resources, if you don't look to others to utilize their grace... It will become a distraction. Warning, 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 warning. If the plane is going to get off the runway and we're stripping the fat lady down, skinny lady, then guess what? I have got to make a change. This is what this is saying. Okay? But Though you can write books and resources, if you don't look to others to utilize their grace, it will become a distraction. Don't feel insecure, says the Lord. Me? Insecure? Moi? Because as you change and let go and give in and make a journey, then you feel less empowered. Or you can do feel less empowered. But the more you let others rise up, the more you actually feel, actually, it's not the fear I thought it was. So, let's go again. The Lord, uh, sort of the, though you can write books and resources, if you don't look to, to utilize their grace, it'll become a distraction. Don't feel insecure, says the Lord. Don't feel threatened as they rise up and become strong in their graces. You are the man I've placed in the house to be secure in their graces that I have given to you. And as you bring them in, they will push you into a new dimension, into new heights and into a new, new greater dimension of breakthrough. It's good, yeah? More building and more expanding is going to take place, so stretch out your tempeg. So things are coming. So there's a future there straight away. There's an immediate and there's a future. Yes? Those leaders, stretch those leaders. Guys, you're going to burn. <laughs> We're going back to God's gym. <laughs> stretch them out because there is going 
to become, there's going to be a greater covering. The whole building is going to change. And it might not be you who has the inspiration to say we need to do it, but it is the bringing in of others to do the plans and others who can supervise and see it happen and see it take place. So that's good because not one man, not one man has all everything. So some of you have plans and vision. Now, at the same time, don't think what you see is necessarily the plan. There's still a leadership here that still has to determine what you're seeing. You may have had cheese. You may have had so, so much cheese that you're seeing Bugs Bunny. Okay? Uh, I see them laying plans before you saying, this is what we, we can do in this room and that room and so on. If you take it on, it's not your grace. But you are the one who will say, this is the room I want, for this is how I want it. This is where I, I want the people. This is where I want this training room. So I've got a measure of say. That's good. I don't mind that. And even as education has been stirring on you to educate, the next generation will be trained. So God knows my heart is to, gen- is to, to teach the gener- next generation. Yes, this is, a, this is a good promise. Not just you in discipling, but in children. As I believe God will give you opportunities there. So children's ministry has also been figured in to this. Why? Because there's so much you can reach through children. So many avenues you can reach families through children. So children's workers have to change and adapt. More children's workers will have to rise up. I said to Carol, did you hear this? No. No. I said, so the word's coming again to you now so you can hear it. Now you can, that's fine. She may not, didn't have to. I didn't hear it until I reread it. I was in receiving mode, not understanding mode. You have got to get, you have got to. Sorry, you have got to have the trainers and the teachers in the house. As it's not just you, Tony, stepping into it, making it happen. If you, don't, if you step into something, making it happen with your grace, it will take up so much of time and your energy. If I try and do things and I haven't got the grace, it will waste time and will waste energy. So all the way through this prophecy, you can see God saying, Tony, get out the flipping way. Get out the way. Please don't want to, this word is not saying you're controlling. It's saying get out of the way for the next phase. I don't even know what the next phase is, but I know I've got to get out of the way. So guess where I'm starting? Lord, strip this fat lady down. You want a skinny lady. Okay, Lord, you've got to strip me down. You've got to show me where I'm fat. You've got to show me where I'm in the way. You said the grace is there. Show me. Show me how to raise the others up. Show me how to go in and raise others up. I've got a lot of work to do. You've got a lot of changing to do. As times, uh, sorry, at times, you've been hesitant to do things because you have thought, who will do this? Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it's easier to do things than it is to ask people to do things. The Lord said he will open your eyes as you are going to see who is in the aeroplane, who you are going to see and who is in your crew. I feel... Something tells me that we're going back to the, uh, what's the word we did in authentic? Defining the core, the core. You will see them and their potential for they are just in their seats now. (laughs) Welcome to Air Flight Airbus 215. Yeah, Dreamland Airways. You will see them and their potential, for they are just in their seats now, 
But it's as they come out of, their, of the airplane, they go out and do great exploits, turning the world upside down. But someone has to release them to go. No one has the authority to release them except you, as you are the one I've given the authority to release their graces, as you are the one who needs to encourage and inspire them. There's going to be a gift of Barnabas coming upon you that will encourage them as you're going to be the gift and grace in seeing others. People's graces come to the surface in their lives and releasing and, test, uh, and testing it out. Yes, there is, there is throwing them into the deep end. And th- listen to this. Listen to this. Yes, there is a throwing them into the deep end and throwing them into the shallow end as this will bring them up to their knees and up to their waist until they are moving in their grace. Some of you are in the shallow, you need to be in the deep. Some of you are frightened of going into the deep, but I've got to help you get into that water. Yeah? Listen. It's a whole new day as everything is about to be shaken around you. Oh, cheers. For if you don't step into it, then God will shake you, shake it so that you will have to step into it. Resistance is futile. Yeah? This is the new coat that God was talking about. Storms are coming in the years to come, but the ones equipped with grace, I see them armored up and see them with swords ready to go into battle and their grace grows and develops. You are the man to open up the doors as the prophetic word will open up the doors. You are the one who sees the prophetic door open and you are the one to take people to those doors as you are the one God's chosen. The commander who says this one can step into this grace and that one can step into that grace. You're going to be amazed that certain people, as certain people step forth, as great joy is going to come upon the house. As great grace comes upon the house, great apostolic expansion is upon us. The Nehemiah anointing is on you. It's not just a prophetic grace, but an apostolic grace. As you're going to write books about rebuilding broken walls, and many people are going to be sent out to help build those walls. We've been telling you this. Nehemiah was only one who got on his horse and surveyed the land. You're going to get on your horse and survey the church again and over the you're going to survey over hearts again and you will look over the whole area of Manchester again. God is going to cause you to see and open doors as eyes are going to be opened up in you. Plans and strategies are going to be opened up in you, says the Lord. This is the whole this is a whole new day. The aeroplane is coming down out of its holding pattern. It's coming out of its holding pattern, it's coming down to build heaven. On earth. That really resonated with me. Because that's how I felt. That we've been stuck up. And we can't get out. Trying to get you out. Encourage you to get out. This has been the frustration of my heart. You have been faithful in these three schools of the prophets. Faithful pushing through. And there is going to be a graciousness and a softness. As Barnabas spirit. Which is an encouraging spirit coming upon you. This is what the house needs. A father who encourages. For you can do it. I believe in you as this is the grace, as the words coming through you to encourage you and to encourage others. When you see others in battle, let them alone. Ready for this? When you see others in battle, let them alone and let, uh, let them grow. Lose people in their destiny and into their purpose and in their assignment. Let them, sorry, let them alone. Don't try and take the specks out of their eyes. Let God take the speck out of their eyes because that's where the grace is. So, in other words... The way I understand this is when you're in the midst of the battle, I can't always, I shouldn't always try and get you out. It's good for you to suffer. Hear what they're saying? Because you've got the grace to suffer. Where most people want to go to the pastor for counseling to get them out of the hole. God's saying, no, don't be quick to jump in the hole. Let some people rise. 
let the sufferings of God come upon them so they'll mature and grow up. If you jump in all the time and try and rescue them, they'll never grow. God isn't saying ignore them. He's saying don't all the time jump in. I must have the wisdom to know when to jump in and when to let the person grow up. Yes? You've been planning for 2017, but it's going to look completely different from what you planned. As going to get, God is going to give you dreams and visions. People are rising to the new core as this new is coming for, sorry, to the new core as the new is coming for I'm going to make streams in the dry places. So, that's a long word. It's a long word, and it's designed to give us hope and a future. But I can sum that word up in one word. One adjective, change. Change. Change is coming to you, to me, to us. Now, please, with all sincerity and all uh, humility, allow me the grace to come into your life You've just heard that word. So God is giving me, or God is going to give me the grace to see those, the, the graces in you, should say. And each one of you have a different grace. And if you, each one of you have a different measure. So we as a leadership team will be strategizing, sitting down, doing a lot of praying. We'll be praying about that word because that's the word. We have to, we have to come to that word. That's the word that pursued us. That's the word that came and pursued us we heard a lot of things in, in SLP, and you must go back and find out what God spoke. To, one thing you heard, sorry, one thing was spoken, two things were heard. Find out what God spoke to you and start there. That's for you as an individual. You as an individual must work that out. Secondly, corporately, we must bring, as a leadership, we must bring the house to this word. That's the bar, so now we have to move to that word. Okay? And that will be our transition in the days ahead. We are coming to that word. Everything must move to this word. Why? Because that's where the grace is. The grace is to help us achieve this word, to fulfill this word. Amen? So in the days ahead, starting now, starting from the day call now, that's what we will be doing as a church. We will break this word down and we will come to this word. I'm just giving you an idea of where the journey over the next coming months where we're going to be going and why we're doing it, which will cause us to have different conversations and uh, different uh, agendas. Okay? Does that make sense? The word is pursuing us. The word is pursuing us. And we must be like Elijah. We must go to the widow. Because this word is taking us to the widows. When I say the widows, I'm using metaphorically as people outside. There will be widow, little widows out there because taken us outside, beyond the door. Amen? So if we're in a holding pattern, there's going to be a time when God's, God's given us the instruction to start bringing this thing down so we can find runways. So every one of you is destined for a runway. There's a runway. There's a grace for you to land the gifting of God and the word of God. I want you to start asking the Lord, what is my runway? Where do you want me to start you know, serving? Where do you want me to start uh, sowing this word? Don't just think in church. Think outside. Think outside. Why? Because you might be thinking inside, but we'll say, no, we need you outside. If we can get the work inside here minimal, right? 
The administration should to get the work down here minimal so that we can get it maximized out there. Amen? So let's stand to our feet. Hope this word's helped you. Give you clarity this morning. <coughs> it should be exciting because you're in there. You're right in there. I'm in there. I've got to get out the way. I have got to get out the way. So when I don't do things that you want me to do, that's me getting out the way. I'm just going to say, I'm getting out the way. Don't call me a lazy rat. I'm not. I'm just working differently. I'm working in my strength and in my grace. People will always try and pull you back into an area that's not my grace. God's clearly told me to get out the way. Do you all acknowledge that? So when you see me doing things I shouldn't be doing, you say, Pastor, get out the way. Get out the way, because this is going to help us. It's going to help us. If I get out the way, that means you've got to follow the way. Amen? So when I come after you and say, I think you should do this, I think we can do this, you think, oh, I can't do that, Pastor. Yes, you can. I see the grace on you. I see the grace on you. No, 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 no. Don't say no, 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 no. Say, yes, 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 Pastor. Yes, yes, yes. If you can show me how to do it, I'll work with you. Right, that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Right? And I might say to you, no, not yet, because there's, a, there's not enough. You still, Christ needs to work in some issues in your life. Right? That's still the grace is there for you to work those issues out. Amen? So, don't think you're getting a job tomorrow. Because we've got to work this thing out. But we will come slowly, but we will come. Stealth in the night will come. So, let's raise your hands if you will. Let's pursue the word again. Let's begin to thank the Lord for what he's just said. The word has pursued us. He came looking for us. Our response corporately should be say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Me and my family here, me and my household will rise to the best of our ability. Thank you, Father, that the grace is there. The grace is there to make the change. Lord, I don't know what change is about to take place, but I just know change is about to take place. But the grace is there to enable me. Father, I pray, Lord, I, I give my life to, this, to you, to this grace. Give Pastor Tony and the leadership team wisdom, understanding, insight. Open those doors. Open those doors so he knows which doors to go. Let the prophetic doors open so he can bring us to the prophetic door so he knows how to release the arrows at the right time. Deploy me in my assignment. Father, the appointment that you, put you, that you destined for my life, Lord, is found in this house and you've given us a word to take us to the next level. Lord, bring the plane out of the holding pattern. Define the crew. Define the crew. Lord, I'm, I'm a crew member. I'm a part of the crew. I'm not about to sit back in my chair and expect the flight attendant to bring me drinks and food. Lord, I'm going to get off my blessed assurance. And I'm going to encourage the pilot to bring the plane down. Get it on the runway. Oh, Father. Come on, church, just a couple of seconds longer. Just pray a little bit longer. This is your life. God's talking to us about your family, about our family. God is doing amazing work. Oh, 
Almighty God. The grace is here. Grace does not mean it's going to be easy. Grace means it's doable. Grace gives us the power to do it, but doesn't say it's going to be easy. It doesn't say there's going to be obstacles. There's not going to be any obstacles. There will be obstacles. But grace is here to do it. We have to tap into the grace, push into the spirit to find the grace. Oh, Father, <coughs> mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Father, we thank you for the word. Thank you that your word has pursued us. And Father, now we're about to pursue the word again. And so the cycle continues. As we pursue you, you pursue us. So, Father, we're about to pursue those who are on your heart. Those who are beyond us. Those who are in the highways and byways of life. Those who, whose houses are being threatened by the enemy and being destroyed by the enemy. Thank you, O oh God, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to proclaim good news, to preach good news to the poor, to set the prisoners free. Thank you, Father, Lord. The grace and the Spirit of God is upon us, enabling us to go to this position. So, Father, we give you thanks. We give you glory. Thank you for everyone in this house. Lord, we prophesy into the children's work right now. Give them, stretch their tent pegs. Enlarge the place of their tent, Lord. Begin to show them new doors, new avenues. Take the work outside, girls. Take the work outside. Don't look at the work inside. Look at the work outside. Start casting your nets beyond the walls. Start pulling. It's a time for the harvest, says the Lord. It's a time. Peter rode out into the deep. He tried everything. And the Lord says, Peter, this is not about, this is not a natural talent. This is a grace. Put your nets on the left-hand side. And they did. And they called it, you know, they pulled in a harvest. God is saying to you, go outside. You're going to go into waters that you've already been in many times. The Lord says, I'm going to show you a new strategy. But as you do it, I'm going to give you the ability to pull in new fish. But what you don't realize is the net's going to catch more than just children. The net is not just designed for children. The net is much bigger than that. The Lord is going to, at the bottom of the ocean, when you put your nets out, it often brings in a lot more than just fish. And the Lord is going to say to you, as you cast your nets out, you get ready to pull in a lot more than you, than you ever thought or you could imagine. But do it, says the Lord. Trust me in this. Start moving in this area. Trust the Lord in this area. Lord, land the plane. Show us, Lord, how to get children's work into, into various areas. Girls, you, 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 you've been comfortable for so many years, but now the Lord is saying, it's time to get, to get out of the boat again. It's time to walk on water. It's time to trust me in the deep. Look for me in the deep. I'm not in the comfortable anymore. I've moved. I've changed position. Church has become comfortable in so many ways, but the Lord is saying, I'm moving beyond these walls. Start trusting me for a new day is upon us. The grace is upon us. You've heard the word. You've heard the word. Now pursue the grace. You've heard the word, pursue the grace. You've heard the word, pursue the grace. You've heard the word, pursue the grace. The grace is there. Don't need the word. The word is there now. You've got the word. It's locked into your hearts. Pursue the grace. Pursue the grace. Don't keep looking for a word. The word has come. Now the word must take on a life. Now the word must become flesh. Come on, church. Come on, church. Take me out. Take me outside, says the Lord. Take me outside. Let the word become flesh. 
Not you become flesh. Let the word become flesh. Let it dwell amongst people. We've had the word. Now the grace. This is why we must heed the word. Write it down. Take it down. Get your portion. Stop. Keep wrestling over the word. Now pursue the grace. If you keep wrestling over the word, the grace can never come upon your life. The word is a done deal. It said it. That's it. We just got to find the grace to rise to what the word has spoken. We're no longer going to debate the word. We're not going to no longer argue about the word. We're just going to find the grace to do it. Amen. Church, that's it from now on. Lord has spoken. We're just going to find the way to get there. The command has been received. We're stripping the lady down. Little did I know when I'm talking about stripping the fat lady down, Sunday's message is going to about strip me down and strip us down. But it's okay. It's okay. It's God's house. He's building his church. He's building it, not us. So, Father, give us the grace to receive the grace. Grace upon grace. And the people of God said? Let's give the Lord a standing ovation.